One of the things I, I love about our parish church here at St. Patrick is that we're, we're one of the few churches left, especially in the city, to, to have our cemetery literally right outside the door. In fact, that's as close as a parish cemetery could ever get to, to being almost in the, the church building. The reason I, I like that is, as Catholics, we, we've always had kind of a, a great kind of relationship with the communion of saints, the acknowledgement that, of course, death is not the end. Uh, and, and all Christians seem to be okay with the idea that, yes, there's, there's resurrection, and, and one day we will we'll be with Jesus. But especially as, as Catholics, we have a, a beautiful way of of showing that we needn't necessarily dismiss death completely and pretend it's not there, nor do we get overly preoccupied and upset with death. There's just kind of a great grasp of reality, that if there's death and it's real, then it gives meaning to the way we live right now. Society today seems to very much sometimes want to just skip over death or even we think through the modern miracles of science that somehow we could eliminate death or suffering altogether. And we seem perplexed when like something like a virus, like when COVID started. I'm like, well, won't the doctors just fix it? I mean, isn't that what they do? I mean, people don't need to die, right? No, people die of COVID. People die of all kinds of things. There is death. And that's why having the cemetery right next door, I think, is great. Because every time we come to the church, we're faced with the reality that all the people that are over in the cemetery, literally, I'm looking at it right through the window, right there. All those people at one time were sitting right where you're sitting right now. Mon Monsignor Bergman is out there. So a priest who at one point stood here, now lies there. That should be a good reminder to us, and indeed the, the church reminds us all through the month of November about the reality of death. Today I'd, I'd like to look at death, which is okay to do. It's November. We're coming to the end of the year. It's all right. No one will hopefully die today while we're talking about death here in church. But it is good every now and then, I think, to focus on what the church has traditionally called the the last things. And depending on what list you go by, the four last things. By that I mean death, but also judgment, and then heaven or hell. Death we seem to get. Everyone's going to die. But judgment and heaven and hell, these things I think we don't often understand or talk about in their right aspect. Because if you were to ask, seem to ask the average Christian today, just if you've been to a funeral lately or talked about death, you hear things like, well, they've gone to a better place, or heaven has gained another angel, or boy, there's going to be a, a party in, in heaven today as everyone will just be so excited to you know, welcome this person to heaven, and gosh, Jesus will be so glad this person is there. <laughs> Sometimes it, it seems. That's a very, very new and, and modern, not so much understanding of, of death, but kind of a perversion and false understanding of death. Judgment, what does that mean? Well, here's, here's the nuts and bolts of it. When we die, 
immediately our soul will stand before God and receive our particular judgment. Each of us individually stands before God, the just judge, and then all of our deeds, everything we've you know, tried to minimize, keep hidden, say, oh, it's not that bad. Probably everybody goes to heaven. It doesn't really matter what I do. All that lies open before the just judge, Jesus Christ. That moment of receiving our particular judgment, whether we will go to heaven or to hell, and there are only two options, and yes, people go to both places, that moment of standing before God in judgment, being completely naked, our lives laid bare, and none of the excuses we've used in this life will matter at all. It's just all honest and raw. That moment has been such a moment of reflection that throughout the history of the church, it's been described famously as that day, that terrible day, that day of wrath, day of judgment. Listen to the, the words of the traditional funeral mass. The, the sequence that's, that's sung is called the Dies Irae. You've, you've maybe heard of it. That means day of anger, day of wrath. This is how the day of judgment is described traditionally by the church for most of our history. The music to it is so haunting that you hear it in movies all the time. It just sounds foreboding. If you listen to music and movies, you'll kind of hear those chords. That's the song of death that the church has sung at every funeral since the time of the Middle Ages. Day of wrath, dreadful day, heaven and earth and ashes lay. Hear this. What horror must invade the mind when the approaching judge shall find and sift the deeds of all mankind. The mighty trumpet's wondrous tone shall rend each tomb sepulchral stone and summon all before the throne. Now, death and nature will surprise. Behold, the trembling sinners rise to meet the judge's searching eyes. Then shall with universal dread the book of consciences be read to judge the lives of all the dead. For now, before the judge severe, all hidden things must plain appear. No crime can pass unpunished here. Oh, what shall I so guilty plead? And who for me will intercede when seven saints shall comfort need? And King of dreadful majesty, grace and mercy you grant free. O font of kindness, save me. Recall, dear Jesus, for my sake, you did our suffering nature take. Then do now my soul forsake. In weariness you sought for me, and suffering upon the tree, let not in vain such labor be. O judge of justice, hear, I pray, for pity take my sins away before the dreadful reckoning day. For tears, full of tears and full of dread is that day that wakes the dead, calling all with solemn blast to be judged for all their past. Lord, have mercy, Jesus blessed. Grant them all your light and rest. Amen. Is that what you normally hear at a, a funeral? Notice the great mix in there. Yes, it's a dreadful thing to stand before the just judge when all is laid bare. It's caused 
fear in the hearts of all for all generations. But, but notice the hopeful tone that what do we have when we stand before the judge on that day? Yes, we of ourselves are empty, alone, our deeds laid bare, but what do we have? The atoning death of Jesus. He is not just just judge, but at the same time, merciful savior. Because of the dreadfulness of having to stand before God on just our own merits, Jesus knew we could not do that. If we stand before God only on our own, we are all doomed to hell. And hence, the day of wrath. There is no good news if we ourselves have to somehow earn our own salvation. It is impossible. But, but, the same just judge seeing this sentence and its dreadfulness decided to enter our own creation and ultimately take our sentence upon himself. Hence, his death on the cross. This is why it's so important that we understand those other three last things, judgment, heaven, and hell. Because without the, the bad news, there is no good news. We need to understand just how heaven does not just automatically gain another angel when someone dies, as if somehow Jesus should be happy that we've arrived at heaven. Rather, we must see how in dire need we are of salvation and how impossible it is for us to merit it on our own. I think of that, that day to stand before God. Yes, there will hopefully, if we've lived our life in a way that we are trying the best we can in our human weakness to be friends of Jesus, to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior every day and surrender to him our lives. If we die doing that, then we know that at our particular judgment, our sentence will be heaven, to be with God forever. But there is also the grave and terrible thought that we are perfectly free not to do that. We are perfectly free in this life, in our humanity, despite everything that Jesus has done for us, despite all the grace that is offered us, we are at every moment free to say, no, I don't want that. Jesus, I don't want your plan. I don't want your rules. I don't want your church. The world is too messed up. I don't know where to go. I'm gonna do it myself. We are able to reject God. And if we do that and die that way, unrepentant, we will stand before the just judge and he will sentence us to hell. It's just another word to be separated from God forever and experience the torment of punishment to know that our nature was made by God, made for God, and in our humanity, we have rejected God and said, I don't want you. Now, all of us do that over and over. That's, that's sin, to at least in little ways say, God, I don't want you. And in big ways that we call mortal sin, we can truly say a definitive no to God. Now we see why the church says, dies irae dies elat, that terrible day because we have that power. Despite Jesus' incredible omnipotence, his power over the whole world, his power to defeat Satan by his death on the cross, he cannot defeat our unrepentant, obstinate wills that say no. Just like Satan, we are capable of saying no to God and being sentenced to hell forever. 
That should give us necessarily some kind of trepidation. That's why when we, we do celebrate a, a funeral, we, we certainly don't canonize the person and say, well, we're sure they're in heaven. I, no, never in the history of the church have we, we done that. That's why we have canonizations. That's when the church can say, yes, we know this person is in heaven. We can stop praying for them and pray to them. For everybody else who is not canonized and dies, we think not of heaven giving another angel. We think rather of how much in need of our prayers the souls are to stand before God. Because those of us who do die in faith and ultimately receive the particular judgment to enter heaven, we know also that only perfect things enter heaven. In heaven, all is perfect, perfect love of God, perfect focus on desiring nothing more than to adore the Trinity forever. Is that what you desire most right now? God alone and nothing else? If not, then even if you died worthy of entering heaven, for our own sake, God allows us to be purified because if only the perfect enter heaven and there's no chance for some purgation after death, then everybody goes to hell. But, praise God, there is a, an intermediate state that the church has called purgatory by which any punishment that's due to sin, any imperfections that remain on a holy soul that dies, we have a chance to get cleaned up, as it were. The merciful judge can sentence us to heaven and then say, now let's, let's get you made perfect. And so there are the, what we, the pains of purgatory. It's sometimes described as purifying fire. I don't know about you, but being burned by fire doesn't sound very fun. And yet, somehow, it's also the fire of God's love that, that purifies. These are souls that are going to heaven. This is not the punishment of hell. Everyone who is in purgatory is filled with great joy because they know I will be in heaven forever with God. The particular judgment is over. They've received the sentence. You are going to heaven, end of story. And now you just need to get cleaned up. Purgatory, we, we don't know since it's outside this world. How does time work? Whatever it, it could be over in an instant, it, it seems that, at least to our world, souls spend some time, that they're able to even come back sometimes as ghosts and ask for prayers, intercede for me, I'm, I'm suffering in purgatory. That's what offering masses for the dead are about, to make atonement for their own inability to now atone for their sins. We can do that through our prayers. We offer masses, we pray, we obtain plenary indulgences to assist them through purgatory to heaven. Let us then have a, a right understanding, I think, of these four last things. Again, we can look out to our cemetery and, and recognize that there they are, that their bodies are there, and that's the last, last thing, the last judgment. Even those bodies that are in our cemetery will rise at the last judgment. So the particular judgment we get when we die, the final judgment, of course, at the end of time, when everything is revealed, all the souls that will ever be in heaven are there, all the souls that are condemned to hell will be there, and the world is destroyed, as the, the sequence says, destroyed with fire. The whole world is burned up in the love of God, and there's only heaven and hell. That's, a, that's an amazing thought. It should, cause us to look at our lives aright and say, where am I headed? Am I in friendship with God? Am I not? 
And then the reality of death, the cemetery out there means we don't have all the time in the world. Who knows when that day of wrath, that terrible day will come for us. Be ready. At least don't put off to tomorrow what I need to do today. If you knew the world was ending today, just go ahead and change the things you need to change because one day we will all stand before Jesus. What will that day be like? The church gives us some some images. In the end, I pray that we live our lives in union with Jesus, in love of the sacraments, that every day we make that choice. But let's not forget the terrible reality that we could make another choice. Where will we be when the trumpet sounds, the dead in the cemetery raise, and all of us are together in heaven? Let's think of that day and be ready.